Chapter seventy seven of the Count of Monte Cristo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. Chapter seventy seven. Haiti. Scarcely had the Count's horses cleared the angle of the boulevard than Albert, turning towards the Count, burst into a loud fit of laughter much too loud in fact not to give the idea of its being rather forced and unnatural well said he i will ask you the same question which charles the ninth put to catherine de medici after the massacre of st bartholomew how have i played my little part to what do you allude asked monte cristo to the installation of my rival at monsieur danglars what rival ma foi what rival why your protege monsieur andre cavalcanti ah no joking viscount if you please i do not patronize monsieur andre at least not as concerns monsieur danglars and you would be to blame for not assisting him if the young man really needed your help in that quarter but happily for me he can dispense with it what do you think he is paying his addresses i am certain of it his languishing looks and modulated tones when addressing mademoiselle danglars fully proclaim his intentions he aspires to the hand of the proud eugenie what does that signify so long as they favor your suit but it is not the case my dear count on the contrary i am repulsed on all sides what it is so indeed mademoiselle eugenie scarcely answers me and mademoiselle d'armie her confidant does not speak to me at all but the father has the greatest regard possible for you said monte cristo he oh no he has plunged a thousand daggers into my heart tragedy weapons i own which instead of wounding sheathe their points in their own handles but daggers which he nevertheless believed to be real and deadly jealousy indicates affection true but i am not jealous he is of whom of debray no of you of me i will engage to say that before a week has passed the door will be closed against me you are mistaken my dear viscount prove it to me do you wish me to do so yes well i am charged with the commission of endeavouring to induce the comte de Morcerf to make some definite arrangement with the baron by whom are you charged by the baron himself oh said albert with all the cajolery of which he was capable you surely will not do that my dear count certainly i shall albert as i have promised to do it well said albert with a sigh it seems you are determined to marry me i am determined to try and be on good terms with everybody at all events said monte cristo but apropos of debray how is it that i have not seen him lately at the baron's house there has been a misunderstanding what with the baroness no with the baron has he perceived anything ah that is a good joke do you think he suspects said monte cristo with charming artlessness where have you come from my dear count said albert from congo if you will it must be farther off than even that but what do i know of your parisian husbands oh my dear count husbands are pretty much the same everywhere an individual husband of any country is a pretty fair specimen of the whole race but then what can have led to the quarrel between danglars and debray they seem to understand each other so well said monte cristo with renewed energy ah now you are trying to penetrate into the mysteries of isis in which i am not initiated when monsieur andre cavalcanti has become one of the family you can ask him that question the carriage stopped here we are said monte cristo it is only half past ten o'clock come in certainly i will my carriage shall take you back no thank you i gave orders for my coupe to follow me there it is then said monte cristo as he stepped out of the carriage they both went into the house the drawing-room was lighted up they went in there 
you will make tea for us baptistin said the count baptistin left the room without waiting to answer and in two seconds reappeared bringing on a waiter all that his master had ordered already prepared and appeared to have sprung from the ground like the repasts which we have read of in fairy tales really my dear count said Mercerf, what i admire in you is not so much your riches for perhaps there are people even wealthier than yourself nor is it only your wit for beaumarchais might have possessed as much but it is your manner of being served without any questions in a moment in a second it is as if they guessed what you wanted by your manner of ringing and made a point of keeping everything you can possibly desire in constant readiness what you say is perhaps true they know my habits for instance you shall see how do you wish to occupy yourself during tea-time ma foi i should like to smoke monte cristo took the gong and struck at once in about the space of a second a private door opened and ali appeared bringing two chabouquets filled with excellent latakia it is quite wonderful said albert oh no it is simple as possible replied monte cristo ali knows i generally smoke while i am taking my tea or coffee he has heard that i ordered tea and he also knows that i brought you home with me when i summoned him he naturally guessed the reason of my doing so and as he comes from a country where hospitality is especially manifested through the medium of smoking he naturally concludes that we shall smoke in company and therefore brings two chabouquets instead of one and now the mystery is solved certainly you give a most commonplace air to your explanation but it is not the less true that you ah but what do i hear and morcerf inclined his head towards the door through which sounds seemed to issue resembling those of a guitar ma foi my dear viscount you are fated to hear music this evening you have only escaped from mademoiselle danglars piano to be attacked by hades guzla haiti what an adorable name are there then really women who bear the name of haiti anywhere but in byron's poems certainly there are haiti is a very uncommon name in france but it is common enough in albania and epirus it is as if you said for example chastity modesty innocence it is a kind of baptismal name as you parisians call it oh that is charming said albert how i should like to hear my countrywomen called mademoiselle goodness mademoiselle silence mademoiselle christian charity only think then if mademoiselle danglars instead of being called claire marie eugenie had been named mademoiselle chastity modesty innocence danglars what a fine effect that would have produced on the announcement of her marriage hush said the count do not joke in so loud a tone haiti may hear you perhaps and you think she would be angry no certainly not said the count with a haughty expression she is very amiable then is she not said albert it is not to be called amiability it is her duty a slave does not dictate to a master come you are joking yourself now are there any more slaves to be had who bear this beautiful name undoubtedly really count you do nothing and have nothing like other people the slave of the count of monte cristo why it is a rank of itself in france and from the way in which you lavish money it is a place that must be worth a hundred thousand francs a year a hundred thousand francs the poor girl originally possessed much more than that she was born to treasures in comparison with which those recorded in the thousand and one nights would seem but poverty she must be a princess then you are right and she is one of the greatest in her country too i thought so but how did it happen that such a great princess became a slave how was it that dionysius the tyrant became a schoolmaster the fortune of war my dear viscount the caprice of fortune that is the way in which these things are to be accounted for and is her name a secret as regards the generality of mankind it is but not for you my dear viscount who are one of my most intimate friends and on whose silence i feel i may rely if i consider it necessary to enjoin it may i not do so certainly on my word of honour 
you know the history of the pasha of yanina do you not of ali tepelini oh yes it was in his service that my father made his fortune true i have forgotten that footnote ali pasha the lion was born at tepelini an albanian village at the foot of the klesora mountains in seventeen forty one by diplomacy and success in arms he became almost supreme ruler of albania the Pyrus, and adjacent territory having aroused the enmity of the sultan he was proscribed and put to death by treachery in eighteen twenty two at the age of eighty End of footnote. well what is haiti to ali tepelini merely his daughter what the daughter of ali pasha of ali pasha and the beautiful vasiliki and your slave ma foi yes but how did she become so why simply from the circumstance of my having bought her one day as i was passing through the market at constantinople wonderful really my dear count you seem to throw a sort of magic influence over all in which you are concerned when i listen to you existence no longer seems reality but a waking dream now i am perhaps going to make an imprudent and thoughtless request but say on but since you go out with haiti and sometimes even take her to the opera well i think i may venture to ask you this favor you may venture to ask me anything well then my dear count present me to your princess i will do so but on two conditions i accept them at once the first is that you will never tell any one that i have granted the interview very well said albert extending his hand i swear i will not the second is that you will not tell her that your father ever served hers i give you my oath that i will not enough viscount you will remember those two vows will you not but i know you to be a man of honour the count again struck the gong ali reappeared tell haiti said he that i will take coffee with her and give her to understand that i desire permission to present one of my friends to her ali bowed and left the room now understand me said the count no direct questions my dear morcerf if you wish to know anything tell me and i will ask her agreed ali reappeared for the third time and drew back the tapestried hanging which concealed the door to signify to his master and albert that they were at liberty to pass on let us go in said monte cristo albert passed his hand through his hair and curled his moustache then having satisfied himself as to his personal appearance followed the count into the room the latter having previously resumed his hat and gloves ali was stationed as a kind of advance guard and the door was kept by three french attendants commanded by mirtho haiti was awaiting her visitors in the first room of her apartments which was the drawing-room her large eyes were dilated with surprise and expectation for it was the first time that any man except monte cristo had been accorded an entrance into her presence she was sitting on a sofa placed in an angle of the room with her legs crossed under her in the eastern fashion and seemed to have made for herself as it were a kind of nest in the rich indian silks which enveloped her near her was the instrument on which she had just been playing it was elegantly fashioned and worthy of its mistress on perceiving monte cristo she arose and welcomed him with a smile peculiar to herself expressive at once of the most implicit obedience and also of the deepest love monte cristo advanced towards her and extended his hand which she as usual raised to her lips albert had proceeded no farther than the door where he remained rooted to the spot being completely fascinated by the sight of such surpassing beauty beheld as it was for the first time and of which an inhabitant of more northern climes could form no adequate idea whom do you bring asked the young girl in romaic of monte cristo is it a friend a brother a simple acquaintance or an enemy a friend said monte cristo in the same language what is his name count albert 
it is the same man whom i rescued from the hands of the banditti at rome in what language would you like me to converse with him monte cristo turned to albert do you know modern greek asked he alas no said albert nor even ancient greek my dear count never had homer or plato a more unworthy scholar than myself then said haiti proving by her remark that she had quite understood monte cristo's question and albert's answer then i will speak either in french or italian if my lord so wills it monte cristo reflected one instant you will speak in italian said he then turning towards albert it is a pity you do not understand either ancient or modern greek both of which haiti speaks so fluently the poor child will be obliged to talk to you in italian which will give you but a very false idea of her powers of conversation the count made a sign to haiti to address his visitor sir she said to morcerf you are most welcome as the friend of my lord and master this was said in excellent tuscan and with that soft roman accent which makes the language of dante as sonorous as that of homer then turning to ali she directed him to bring coffee and pipes and when he had left the room to execute the orders of his young mistress she beckoned albert to approach nearer to her monte cristo and morcerf drew their seats toward a small table on which were arranged music drawings and vases of flowers ali then entered bringing coffee and chibouquets as to monsieur baptistin this portion of the building was interdicted to him albert refused the pipe which the nubian offered him oh take it take it said the count haiti is almost as civilized as a parisian the smell of an havana is disagreeable to her but the tobacco of the east is a most delicious perfume you know ali left the room the cups of coffee were all prepared with the addition of sugar which had been brought for albert monte cristo and haiti took the beverage in the original arabian manner that is to say without sugar haiti took the porcelain cup in her little slender fingers and conveyed it to her mouth with all the innocent heartlessness of a child when eating or drinking something which it likes at this moment two women entered bringing salvers filled with ices and sherbet which they placed on two small tables appropriated to that purpose my dear host and you signora said albert in italian excuse my apparent stupidity i am quite bewildered and it is natural that it should be so here i am in the heart of paris but a moment ago i heard the rumbling of the omnibuses and the tinkling of the bells of the lemonade sellers and now i feel as if i were suddenly transported to the east not such as i have seen it but such as my dreams have painted it oh signora if i could but speak greek your conversation added to the fairy scene which surrounds me would furnish an evening of such delight as it would be impossible for me ever to forget i speak sufficient italian to enable me to converse with you sir said haiti quietly and if you like what is eastern i will do my best to secure the gratification of your tastes while you are here on what subject shall i converse with her said albert in a low tone to monte cristo just what you please you may speak of her country and of her youthful reminiscences or if you like it better you can talk of rome naples or florence oh said albert it is of no use to be in the company of a greek if one converses just in the same style as with a parisian let me speak to her of the east do so then for of all things which you could choose that will be the most agreeable to her taste albert turned towards haiti at what age did you leave greece signora asked he i left it when i was but five years old replied haiti and have you any recollection of your country when i shut my eyes and think i seem to see it all again the mind can see as well as the body the body sometimes forgets but the mind never forgets and how far back into the past do your recollections extend i could scarcely walk when my mother who was called vasiliki which means royal said the young girl tossing her head proudly took me by the hand and after putting in our purse all the money we possessed we went out both covered with veils 
to solicit alms for the prisoners saying he who giveth to the poor lendeth to the lord then when our purse was full we returned to the palace and without saying a word to my father we sent it to the convent where it was divided amongst the prisoners and how old were you at that time i was three years old said haiti then you remember everything that went on about you from the time when you were three years old said albert everything count said albert in a low tone to monte cristo do allow the signora to tell me something of her history you prohibited my mentioning my father's name to her but perhaps she will allude to him of her own accord in the course of the recital and you have no idea how delighted i should be to hear our name pronounced by such beautiful lips monte cristo turned to haiti and with an expression of countenance which commanded her to pay the most implicit attention to his words he said in greek tell us the fate of your father but neither the name of the traitor nor the treason haiti sighed deeply and a shade of sadness clouded her beautiful brow what are you saying to her said Marcerf in an undertone i again reminded her that you were a friend and that she need not conceal anything from you then said albert this pious pilgrimage in behalf of the prisoners was your first remembrance what is the next oh then i remember as if it were but yesterday sitting under the shade of some sycamore trees on the borders of a lake in the waters of which the trembling foliage was reflected as in a mirror under the oldest and thickest of these trees reclining on cushions sat my father my mother was at his feet and i childlike amused myself by playing with his long white beard which descended to his girdle or with the diamond hilt of the scimitar attached to his girdle then from time to time there came to him an albanian who said something to which i paid no attention but which was always answered in the same tone of voice either kill or pardon it is very strange said albert to hear such words proceed from the mouth of any one but an actress on the stage and one needs constantly to be saying to oneself this is no fiction it is all reality in order to believe it and how does france appear in your eyes accustomed as they have been to gaze on such enchanted scenes i think it is a fine country said haiti but i see france as it really is because i look on it with the eyes of a woman whereas my own country which i can only judge of from the impression produced on my childish mind always seems enveloped in a vague atmosphere which is luminous or otherwise according as my remembrances of it are sad or joyous so young said albert forgetting at the moment the count's command that he should ask no questions of the slave herself is it possible that you can have known what suffering is except by name haiti turned her eyes towards monte cristo who making at the same time some imperceptible sign murmured go on nothing is ever so firmly impressed on the mind as the memory of our early childhood and with the exception of the two scenes i have just described to you all my earliest reminiscences are fraught with deepest sadness speak speak signora said albert i am listening with the most intense delight and interest to all you say haiti answered his remark with a melancholy smile you wish me then to relate the history of my past sorrows said she i beg you to do so replied albert well i was but four years old when one night i was suddenly awakened by my mother we were in the palace of janina she snatched me from the cushions on which i was sleeping and on opening my eyes i saw hers filled with tears she took me away without speaking when i saw her weeping i began to cry too hush child said she at other times in spite of maternal endearments or threats i had with a child's caprice been accustomed to indulge my feelings of sorrow or anger by crying as much as i felt inclined but on this occasion there was an intonation of such extreme terror in my mother's voice when she enjoined me to silence that i ceased crying as soon as her command was given she bore me rapidly away i saw then that we were descending a large staircase around us were all my mother's servants carrying trunks bags ornaments jewels 
purses of gold with which they were hurrying away in the greatest distraction behind the women came a guard of twenty men armed with long guns and pistols and dressed in the costume which the greeks have assumed since they have again become a nation you may imagine that there was something startling and ominous said haiti shaking her head and turning pale at the mere remembrance of the scene in this long file of slaves and women only half aroused from sleep or at least so they appeared to me who was myself scarcely awake here and there on the walls of this staircase were reflected gigantic shadows which trembled in the flickering light of the pine torches till they seemed to reach to the vaulted roof above quick said a voice at the end of the gallery this voice made every one bow before it resembling in its effect the wind passing over a field of wheat by its superior strength forcing every ear to yield obeisance as for me it made me tremble the voice was that of my father he came last clothed in his splendid robes and holding in his hand the carbine which your emperor presented him he was leaning on the shoulder of his favorite salim and he drove us all before him as a shepherd would his straggling flock my father said haiti raising her head was that illustrious man known in europe under the name of ali tepelini pasha of yanina and before whom turkey trembled albert without knowing why started on hearing these words pronounced with such a haughty and dignified accent it appeared to him as if there was something supernaturally gloomy and terrible in the expression which gleamed from the brilliant eyes of haiti at this moment she appeared like a pythoness evoking a spectre as she recalled to his mind the remembrance of the fearful death of this man to the news of which all europe had listened with horror soon said haiti we halted on our march and found ourselves on the borders of a lake my mother pressed me to her throbbing heart and at the distance of a few paces i saw my father who was glancing anxiously around four marble steps led down to the water's edge and below them was a boat floating on the tide from where we stood i could see in the middle of the lake a large blank mass it was the kiosk to which we were going this kiosk appeared to me to be at a considerable distance perhaps on account of the darkness of the night which prevented any object from being more than partially discerned we stepped into the boat i remember well that the oars made no noise whatever in striking the water and when i leaned over to ascertain the cause i saw that they were muffled with the sashes of our palacaris footnote palacaris are great militiamen in the war for independence End of footnote. besides the rowers the boat contained only the women my father mother selim and myself the palacaris had remained on the shore of the lake ready to cover our retreat they were kneeling on the lowest of the marble steps and in that manner intended making a rampart of the three others in case of pursuit our bark flew before the wind why does the boat go so fast i asked of my mother silence child hush we are flying i did not understand why should my father fly he the all-powerful he before whom others were accustomed to fly he who had taken for his device they hate me then they fear me it was indeed a flight which my father was trying to effect i have been told since that the garrison of the castle of unina fatigued with long service here haiti cast a significant glance at monte cristo whose eyes had been riveted on her countenance during the whole course of her narrative the young girl then continued speaking slowly like a person who is either inventing or suppressing some feature of the history which he is relating you were saying signora said albert who was paying the most implicit attention to the recital that the garrison of yanina fatigued with long service had treated with the sarasker kurshid who had been sent by the sultan to gain possession of the person of my father footnote sarasker is a turkish pasha in command of troops of a province End of footnote. it was then that ali tepelini after having sent to the sultan a french officer in whom he reposed great confidence resolved to retire to the asylum which he had long before prepared for himself and which he called cataphysion 
or the refuge and this officer asked albert do you remember his name signora monte cristo exchanged a rapid glance with the young girl which was quite unperceived by albert no said she i do not remember it just at this moment but if it should occur to me presently i will tell you albert was on the point of pronouncing his father's name when monte cristo gently held up his finger in token of reproach the young man recollected his promise and was silent it was towards this kiosk that we were rowing a ground floor ornamented with arabesques bathed its terraces in the water and another floor looking on the lake was all which was visible to the eye but beneath the ground floor stretching out into the island was a large subterranean cavern to which my mother myself and the women were conducted in this place were together sixty thousand pouches and two hundred barrels the pouches contained twenty-five million of money in gold and the barrels were filled with thirty thousand pounds of gunpowder near the barrels stood selim my father's favorite whom i mentioned to you just now he stood watch day and night with a lance provided with a lighted slow match in his hand and he had orders to blow up everything kiosk guards women gold and ali tepelini himself at the first signal given by my father i remember well that the slaves convinced of the precarious tenure on which they held their lives passed whole days and nights in praying crying and groaning as for me i can never forget the pale complexion and black eyes of the young soldier and whenever the angel of death summons me to another world i am quite sure i shall recognize selim i cannot tell you how long we remained in this state at that period i did not even know what time meant sometimes but very rarely my father summoned me and my mother to the terrace of the palace these were hours of recreation for me as i never saw anything in the dismal cavern but the gloomy countenances of the slaves and selim's fiery lance my father was endeavouring to pierce with his eager looks the remotest verge of the horizon examining attentively every black speck which appeared on the lake while my mother reclining by his side rested her head on his shoulder and i played at his feet admiring everything i saw with that unsophisticated innocence of childhood which throws a charm round objects insignificant in themselves but which in its eyes are invested with the greatest importance the heights of pindus towering above us the castle of unina rose white and angular from the blue waters of the lake and the immense masses of black vegetation which viewed in the distance gave the idea of lichens clinging to the rocks were in reality gigantic fir trees and myrtles one morning my father sent for us my mother had been crying all the night and was very wretched we found the pasha calm but paler than usual take courage vasiliki said he to-day arrives the firman of the master and my fate will be decided if my pardon be complete we shall return triumphant to yanina if the news be inauspicious we must fly this night but supposing our enemy should not allow us to do so said my mother oh make yourself easy on that head said ali smiling selim and his flaming lance will settle that matter they would be glad to see me dead but they would not like themselves to die with me my mother only answered by sighs to consolations which she knew did not come from my father's heart she prepared the iced water which he was in the habit of constantly drinking for since his sojourn at the kiosk he had been parched by the most violent fever after which she anointed his white beard with perfumed oil and lighted his shibuke which he sometimes smoked for hours together quietly watching the wreaths of vapor that ascended in spiral clouds and gradually melted away in the surrounding atmosphere presently he made such a sudden movement that i was paralyzed with fear then without taking his eyes from the object which had first attracted his attention he asked for his telescope my mother gave it him and as she did so looked whiter than the marble against which she leaned i saw my father's hand tremble a boat two three murmured my father four he then arose 
seizing his arms and priming his pistols vasiliki said he to my mother trembling perceptibly the instant approaches which will decide everything in the space of half an hour we shall know the emperor's answer go into the cavern with haiti i will not quit you said vasiliki if you die my lord i will die with you go to selim cried my father adieu my lord murmured my mother determining quietly to await the approach of death take away vasiliki said my father to his Policaris. as for me i had been forgotten in the general confusion i ran towards ali tepelini he saw me hold out my arms to him and he stooped down and pressed my forehead with his lips oh how distinctly i remember that kiss it was the last he ever gave me and i feel as if it were still warm on my forehead on descending we saw through the lattice-work several boats which were gradually becoming more distinct to our view at first they appeared like black specks and now they looked like birds skimming the surface of the waves during this time in the kiosk at my father's feet were seated twenty palacares concealed from view by an angle of the wall and watching with eager eyes the arrival of the boats they were armed with their long guns inlaid with mother-of-pearl and silver and cartridges in great numbers were lying scattered on the floor my father looked at his watch and paced up and down with a countenance expressive of the greatest anguish this was the scene which presented itself to my view as i quitted my father after that last kiss my mother and i traversed the gloomy passage leading to the cavern selim was still at his post and smiled sadly on us as we entered we fetched our cushions from the other end of the cavern and sat down by selim in great dangers the devoted ones cling to each other and young as i was i quite understood that some imminent danger was hanging over our heads albert had often heard not from his father for he never spoke on the subject but from strangers the description of the last moments of the vizier of yanina he had read different accounts of his death but the story seemed to acquire fresh meaning from the voice and expression of the young girl and her sympathetic accent and the melancholy expression of her countenance at once charmed and horrified him as to haiti these terrible reminiscences seemed to have overpowered her for a moment for she ceased speaking her head leaning on her hand like a beautiful flower bowing beneath the violence of the storm and her eyes gazing on vacancy indicated that she was mentally contemplating the green summit of the pindus and the blue waters of the lake of yanina which like a magic mirror seemed to reflect the sombre picture which she sketched monte cristo looked at her with an indescribable expression of interest and pity go on said the count in the romaic language haiti looked up abruptly as if the sonorous tones of monte cristo's voice had awakened her from a dream and she resumed her narrative it was about four o'clock in the afternoon and although the day was brilliant out of doors we were enveloped in the gloomy darkness of the cavern one single solitary light was burning there and it appeared like a star set in a heaven of blackness it was selim's flaming lance my mother was a christian and she prayed selim repeated from time to time the sacred words god is great however my mother had still some hope as she was coming down she thought she recognized the french officer who had been sent to constantinople and in whom my father placed so much confidence for he knew that all the soldiers of the french emperor were naturally noble and generous she advanced some steps towards the staircase and listened they are approaching said she perhaps they bring us peace and liberty what do you fear vasiliki said selim in a voice at once so gentle and yet so proud if they do not bring us peace we will give them war if they do not bring life we will give them death and he renewed the flame of his lance with a gesture which made one think of dionysius of crete footnote the god of fruitfulness in grecian mythology in crete he was supposed to be slain in winter with the decay of vegetation and to revive in the spring hades learned reference is to the behavior of an actor in the dionysian festivals End footnote. 
but i being only a little child was terrified by his undaunted courage which appeared to me both ferocious and senseless and i recoiled with horror from the idea of the frightful death amidst fire and flames which probably awaited us my mother experienced the same sensations for i felt her tremble mamma mamma said i are we really to be killed and at the sound of my voice the slaves redoubled their cries and prayers and lamentations my child said vasiliki may god preserve you from ever wishing for that death which to-day you so much dread then whispering to selim she asked what were her master's orders if he send me his poniard it will signify that the emperor's intentions are not favorable and i am to set fire to the powder if on the contrary he send me his ring it will be a sign that the emperor pardons him and i am to extinguish the match and leave the magazine untouched my friend said my mother when your master's orders arrive if it is the poniard which he sends instead of dispatching us by that horrible death which we both so much dread you will mercifully kill us with this same poniard will you not yes vasiliki replied selim tranquilly suddenly we heard loud cries and listening discerned that they were cries of joy the name of the french officer who had been sent to constantinople resounded on all sides amongst our palacares it was evident that he brought the answer of the emperor and that it was favorable and do you not remember the frenchman's name said morcerf quite ready to aid the memory of the narrator monte cristo made a sign to him to be silent i do not recollect it said haiti the noise increased steps were heard approaching nearer and nearer they were descending the steps leading into the cavern selim made ready his lance soon a figure appeared in the gray twilight at the entrance of the cave formed by the reflection of the few rays of daylight which had found their way into this gloomy retreat who are you cried selim but whoever you may be i charge you not to advance another step long live the emperor said the figure he grants a full pardon to the vizier ali and not only gives him his life but restores to him his fortune and his possessions my mother uttered a cry of joy and clasped me to her bosom stop said selim seeing that she was about to go out you see i have not yet received the ring true said my mother and she fell on her knees at the same time holding me up towards heaven as if she desired while praying to god in my behalf to raise me actually to his presence and for the second time haiti stopped overcome by such violent emotion that the perspiration stood upon her pale brow and her stifled voice seemed hardly able to find utterance so parched and dry were her throat and lips monte cristo poured a little iced water into a glass and presented it to her saying with a mildness in which was also a shade of command courage haiti dried her eyes and continued by this time our eyes habituated to the darkness had recognized the messenger of the pasha it was a friend selim had also recognized him but the brave young man only acknowledged one duty which was to obey in whose name do you come said he to him i come in the name of our master ali tepolini if you come from ali himself said selim you know what you were charged to remit to me yes said the messenger and i bring you his ring at these words he raised his hand above his head to show the token but it was too far off and there was not light enough to enable selim where he was standing to distinguish and recognize the object presented to his view i do not see what you have in your hand said selim approach then said the messenger or i will come nearer to you if you prefer it i will agree to neither one nor the other replied the young soldier place the object which i desire to see in the ray of light which shines there and retire while i examine it be it so said the envoy and he retired after having first deposited the token agreed upon in the place pointed out to him by selim oh how our hearts palpitated for it did indeed seem to be a ring which was placed there but was it my father's ring that was the question 
Salim, still holding in his hand the lighted match, walked towards the opening in the cavern, and aided by the faint light which streamed in through the mouth of the cave, picked up the token. It is well, said he, kissing it. It is my master's ring, and throwing the match on the ground, he trampled on it and extinguished it. The messenger uttered a cry of joy and clapped his hands. At this signal, four soldiers of the Sarasker Kurshid suddenly appeared, and Salim fell, pierced by five blows. Each man had stabbed him separately, and intoxicated by their crime, though still pale with fear, they sought all over the cavern to discover if there was any fear of fire, after which they amused themselves by rolling on the bags of gold. At this moment my mother seized me in her arms, and hurrying noiselessly along numerous turnings and windings known only to ourselves, she arrived at a private staircase of the kiosk, where was a scene of frightful tumult and confusion. The lower rooms were entirely filled with Korshid's troops, that is to say, with our enemies. Just as my mother was on the point of pushing open a small door, we heard the voice of the pasha, sounding in a loud and threatening tone, my mother applied her eye to the crack between the boards i luckily found a small opening which afforded me a view of the apartment and what was passing within what do you want said my father to some people who were holding a paper inscribed with characters of gold what we want replied one is to communicate to you the will of his highness do you see this firman i do said my father well read it he demands your head my father answered with a loud laugh, which was more frightful than even threats would have been, and he had not ceased when two reports of a pistol were heard. He had fired them himself, and had killed two men. The Palakaris, who were prostrated at my father's feet, now sprang up and fired, and the room was filled with fire and smoke. At the same instant the firing began on the other side, and the balls penetrated the boards all around us. Oh, how noble did the Grand Vizier, my father, look at that moment, in the midst of all the flying bullets, his scimitar in his hand, and his face blackened with the powder of his enemies, and how he terrified them even then, and made them fly before him. Salim, Salim, cried he, guardian of the fire, do your duty. Salim is dead, replied a voice, which seemed to come from the depths of the earth, and you are lost ali at the same moment an explosion was heard and the flooring of the room in which my father was sitting was suddenly torn up and shivered to atoms the troops were firing from underneath three or four palakaris fell with their bodies literally ploughed with wounds my father howled aloud plunged his fingers into the holes which the balls had made and tore up one of the planks entire but immediately through this opening twenty more shots were fired and the flame rushing up like fire from the crater of a volcano soon reached the tapestry which it quickly devoured in the midst of all this frightful tumult and these terrific cries two reports fearfully distinct followed by two shrieks more heart-rending than all froze me with terror these two shots had mortally wounded my father and it was he who had given utterance to these frightful cries. However, he remained standing, clinging to a window. My mother tried to force the door that she might go and die with him, but it was fastened on the inside. All around him were lying the Palakaris, writhing in convulsive agonies, while two or three, who were only slightly wounded, were trying to escape by springing from the windows. At this crisis the whole flooring suddenly gave way. My father fell on one knee, and at the same moment twenty hands were thrust forth, armed with sabres, pistols, and poniards. Twenty blows were instantaneously directed against one man, and my father disappeared in a whirlwind of fire and smoke, kindled by these demons, and which seemed like hell itself, opening beneath his feet. I felt myself fall to the ground, my mother had fainted. Hades' arms fell by her side, and she uttered a deep groan, at the same time looking towards the Count, as if to ask him if he were satisfied with her obedience to his commands. 
monte cristo arose and approached her took her hand and said to her in romaic calm yourself my dear child and take courage in remembering that there is a god who will punish traitors it is a frightful story count said albert terrified at the paleness of haiti's countenance and i reproach myself now for having been so cruel and thoughtless in my request oh it is nothing said monte cristo then patting the young girl on the head he continued haiti is very courageous and she sometimes even finds consolation in the recital of her misfortunes because my lord said haiti eagerly my miseries recall to me the remembrance of your goodness albert looked at her with curiosity for she had not yet related what he most desired to know how she had become the slave of the count haiti saw at a glance the same expression pervading the countenances of her two auditors she exclaimed when my mother recovered her senses we were before the sarasker kill said she but spare the honor of the widow of ali it is not to me to whom you must address yourself said Korshid. to whom then to your new master who and where is he he is here and Korshid pointed out one who had more than any contributed to the death of my father said haiti in a tone of chastened anger then said albert you became the property of this man no replied haiti he did not dare to keep us so we were sold to some slave merchants who were going to constantinople we traversed greece and arrived half dead at the imperial gates they were surrounded by a crowd of people who opened a way for us to pass when suddenly my mother having looked closely at an object which was attracting their attention uttered a piercing cry and fell to the ground pointing as she did so to a head which was placed over the gates and beneath which were inscribed these words this is the head of ali tepelini pasha of yanina i cried bitterly and tried to raise my mother from the earth but she was dead i was taken to the slave market and was purchased by a rich armenian he caused me to be instructed gave me masters and when i was thirteen years of age he sold me to the sultan mahmoud of whom i bought her said monte cristo as i told you albert with the emerald which formed a match to the one i had made into a box for the purpose of holding my hashish pills oh you are good you are great my lord said haiti kissing the count's hand and i am very fortunate in belonging to such a master albert remained quite bewildered with all that he had seen and heard come finish your cup of coffee said monte cristo the history is ended end of chapter seventy seven